Hi, my name's Loz and welcome to Find My Wild. This is the documentation and diarizationization. of how I rebuilt my life post a domestic violence abusive relationship. Today, I want to discuss with you leaving, leaving a domestic violence abusive relationship, what it was like for me, what I've learned along the way and share with you my 12 stage program in case that could help you because my mission here is to just help as many people as I can come through this. So please take a seat, grab a drink, uh, maybe a coconut margie, my babe. <laughs> and let's get started. But before we do, I want you to take a nice big breath for me and say it with me. I am so brave, I'm so strong, and I'm so very loved in this space. Okay, let's go. Okay, thank you so much for joining me today. As I said in the intro part, we're going to be talking about leaving today. So everyone's journey is so different with leaving and, you know, the more stories that you hear and the more people that you speak to, I find it's quite often done in a state of, right, today's the day I've got to go. So it's not always a premeditated planned thing. And now that I'm four years out, I wish that I did put some planning in place, but, you know, it is what it is. And so in my experience, when I left on the day, I still remember the day very clearly. It was a day no different to any other day. And I woke up in the morning and I just remember thinking, I'm going to leave our card next to the bed with that had some money in it. Because in my head, I believe that if I did that and I put that into play, then maybe if I left the money, I'd be left alone. And now I look back, that's very naive, but that's what I thought at the time. So I put the card next to bed and I went off to work. I was closing down a gym. Uh, I used to own gyms and me and my business partner were closing down one because we were going to be relocating into another place. So I got in there and it got to about 11 o'clock and I looked at her and just said, I'm going to leave today. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm going to leave. I'm done. And then I made that decision. I called my mum and I said to mum, right, today's the day I'm going. And mum was like, okay. She, she was actually really good. She was like, okay, I've been waiting for this. I've got a bed in the garage for you. Um, I've set the garage up so it's a bit more comfy and I've got a bed in there. I've been waiting for this. So I was like, okay, no worries. So the day was a bit of a blur. I do recall getting a text message from my partner at the time, so my ex now, saying, the fuck was the card next to the bed for? And whilst this is very gutless, rather than calling or whatever, I responded with, that's because I'm not coming home today, I'm done. Anyway, I said that. He then rang and, you know, told me to get fucked and that he hated me and he never wanted to see me again and all the things that I would expect him to say. And that was that day. So I had no preparation, no savings account, no extra money. I thought that if I'd left any of the money that was jointly ours with him that I would be left alone. So I knew I had a small window later in the day where he would be commuting back from work. So I went home um, and I had like a station wagon car so I put the seats down in the station wagon and I threw everything in the car like clothing and things like that and mentally I'd made a bit of a checklist on the things that I wanted to take so little 
index here, little put in. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, if you know, but if you don't know, I've actually developed a 12 stage program on my experience of leaving a relationship in order to support others. It is quite um, a lengthy little program and can probably feel a little bit overwhelming, but there's so many steps that come up throughout this journey of leaving and rebuilding your life post domestic violence abusive relationship that I came up with and the hurdles that I hit. So I've shared them in there. So it's 60 short videos. It's completely free to download. One day it's going to be an app. <laughs> I'm working really hard on making it a free app that's got all the facets that you need to rebuild your life from keeping um, documents for court cases and everything all hidden in this app. But for now, um, if you go to any of the links in my social media, so Instagram or TikTok, and there's a free access to the 12 stage program, um, you can work through it yourself. The reason that I just popped that in here now is because I've actually included everything that I experienced in this in there to support. So going back to what I was saying before, I had created this little plan in my head of the things that I wanted to grab. So for me, it was, I need the passports for me. I need the passports for the kids. I need the birth certificates for me. I need the birth certificates for them. I knew I need, was going to need new bank accounts and stuff. And I'm like, I need to prove who I am. I then wanted to take possessions of mine that were special to me that I knew he could hurt me with. So if anyone's listened to an earlier podcast, you'll know that I lost my brother when I was five and he was 21. And so he had a surfboard at our house and I was like, I wanted to take the surfboard. There was a photo of our house and it's the only one photo of the two of us together ever. And I could just see him like burning it or hurting it in some way if I didn't take it. But that's all I took. So the, my clothes, some kids' clothes, um, birth certificates, passports and things like that and my brother's surfboard and photo. And I chucked it all in the car and I went over to mum's, unloaded the car and then quickly went and got the kids from school because as it stands, we were both parents and we were both enrolled at the school. So I wanted to protect them. And that was the start of a whole fuck around of a journey that comes out of leaving your relationship from there. As in, I was so blessed to have my parents that I could stay with at the time. And even though, you know, we've got a bit of a tumultuous relationship, it was great to stay with them at that time. However, I realise I'm a lucky one. I've got family and I had someone to go to. Not everyone has that. So in my quest of rebuilding my life, I've come up with hurdles like trying to get money for bond so that I could move out into my own place, being a single mum of three, um, income support and trying to support me and the kids. And that's what's led me on this path of finding solutions for other people. So Find My Wild is my journey, my documentation and my diarization, of my journey rebuilding my life. But I also wanted to share that because it was such a fuck around. So the 12-stage program that I've got, if you go on to it, it's actually got a checklist for leaving of things that we recommend. And it's not just me that thinks this. I've gone out and sourced material and data from um, different community services, legal aid. There's a document on there that's from the legal aid. And then I've added things that I think you should look at and take with you as well into it because it's so important that you don't leave things behind that you may never get back. For me personally, the day that I left, I knew I would not be returning to that home. I knew I wouldn't be moving back in. I just posted something on Instagram where it says it takes women um, 
seven times to leave for good. And I definitely thought about it before, but I knew for my situation that when I went, that was going to be it and there was going to be no other solution to it. So I was very clear that on that day I would not be returning. And in all honesty, I've set foot in that house. It's gone now, but I set foot in that house twice, I think, after I left. That's it. And one time was because when we were still trying to sort the kids at the start and the kids were going back I think they went back three times for like 10 minutes. One of the times they went back and the little glass thing in the internet had broken and I went over to try and help him fix it and it was too much and that was it. But we often think leaving is the hard part. I believed leaving was the hard part. I really, really thought that leaving was going to be the hard part and it's not the fucking hard part. It feels like it's going to be but it's what comes after leaving that's the hard part because the post-separation abuse sets in, that whatever control there was before amplifies. It's just fucking horrible. So the better you can be prepared for that, the better, even though I don't know if you can ever fully be prepared for it. I don't know if you'll ever <clears throat> be able to understand what's going to come until it comes. So here's some things that I want to share with you that will hopefully make your life a little bit easier if you're thinking of leaving or even if you've left and you're going through the thick of post-separational abuse. These are some things that might help you and hopefully make your life a little bit nicer than what mine was back then. My post-separational abuse was really thick for the first three months, really, really, really thick. So that's what led a lot of this into play. So obviously, like I said, when you're leaving, I suggest if you're thinking about leaving, I would suggest creating a box of things that are really important to you and taking them to someone's house. So you don't want to keep a box of fucking passports and birth certificates and everything on hand because it might alarm the fact that you're actually going to go. But I would suggest getting things and start accumulating things and moving them out of the house because if you're at your parents or something, what's the worst that's going to happen anyway? Like they're safe there, right? But if you move them out and then you do decide to go, it's just one less thing that you have to think about. So things like birth certificates, passports, kids' stuff, you know, like my kids in Australia have little baby blue books that have got all their immunisations and stuff, don't have that anymore. My eldest son was preemie and um, had to get airlifted into different hospitals when he was born. So I've got a little booklet that I made up with his little headset and his tiny little singlet and things like that and I don't have that anymore. So things that are important to you and things that are going to help you move into your new life, I suggest creating a little box, taking it somewhere and maybe adding it to, you, to it as you go. Um then housing. So I suggest having a plan. Obviously, I had that full point plan of falling back on my mum. But having a plan with housing is really important. There are refuges in Australia, but they're not always easy to get into. And that immediate um, leaving isn't easy, which is why I find my world's becoming a non-for-profit. Yay. And I'm going to start helping people in that immediate leaving uh, when Farm My Wild is a non-for-profit, what it will do is you'll be able to contact Farm My Wild and then it will be able to give you a week's accommodation, <clears throat> 50 litres worth of petrol, my goodness, and $100 or $150 to a local um, supermarket so that you can get food and supplies for you and the kids if you've got kids. But at the moment, as it stands, it's really hard. There is a place called, I think, Connecting to Home, um, 
which do supply, supply emergency relief, but there's a lot of, you've got to fit a lot of criteria where when Fire My Wild's up and down, it won't be, it'll just be like, yep, you need the help, let's go. But um, there are support services out there. There is things that you can get support with bond. Not a lot of this can be done in the emergency though. So my suggestion would be if you've got friends and family that you can stay with for the first few days to get settled and then you can start linking yourself in. But there are like bond support um, depending on different states that you live in. And there's also um, housing places and supported housing where you can get cheaper rent and things like that. But once again, they're limited and they're hard to get to, which is why a lot of people return back into the relationship. So if you're looking at leaving, I suggest getting some background and get some research into play before you actually make that call. Safety. Okay, so once you leave, as I just said before, the post-separation abuse escalates. So for me, I came out of the doctors once and there was like a note on my car that said, call me, I'll get the kids and things like that. And, you know, driving past the house, he would go past mum's house and do burnouts and stand out the front and fucking scream and all that kind of stuff. And it was a really uneasy feeling for the kids and I. So I suggest creating a safety plan. So for people that are close to you or around you or supporting people that are supporting your journey, I suggest creating a plan that is in place so that if any given time something happens, they know. So for an example, you might have like a code word in a message that you might say if something doesn't feel good or they might know that if they haven't heard from you by a point of time to check up on you. Um, you might have a friends of yours give them your family's number so if someone can't get in contact with you, they can contact your family. Um, you might have specific designation on places where they come with you to meet people or just have a safety plan, whatever feels right for you. Like with this whole journey, no one will be able to tell you how to do it. You're going to have to live it and breathe it. My suggestion and my support that I offer is I've lived it. Here's my journey and here's the way that I lived it. Maybe this could help you. So for an example, I had like my friends all had my mum's number. I used to text people when I was leaving a destination just in case because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, if I was getting home, like I kind of had people that were wary of my whereabouts just on the off chance that something escalated one day. Contactability, oh, one more thing, back to safety, make sure that the school knows what's going on if you've got kids because they can help support the kids. Um, <clears throat> the school can be quite helpful uh, sometimes when I used to go, when my kids used to go to school when we were in Adelaide, when we we're in the thick of it. If something was happening, the school would ring me and I'd meet them in a back gate and I'd take the kids while they were talking to him because the kids were scared. Like I know often you feel like you're being dramatic or maybe thing you know maybe you shouldn't be being so harsh and it's their other parent and i felt all those feelings too but my kids were actively scared i was advocating on behalf of what the kids wishes were based on the actions that they were seeing present themselves so keeping anyone in the loop that can support this and that can see what's actually going on as well is helpful for the kids and for you also Okay, contactability. So for me, in the early days, I used to receive, I don't know, 150, 160, 200 emails a day and messages. 
and social media for a bit and then I would get social media from his friends telling me how much of a shit person I am and it just went on and on and on and it took me ages I'm telling you fucking ages and that's why I'm telling you this now because it shouldn't take this long reduce your contactability reduce it reduce it reduce it so what I mean by that is if you have to have contact so if you have kids in play, if you're in the thicker court, if there's shit going on and for some reason you have to have contact, if you don't have to have contact, I am such a firm believer in the no contact rule and cutting it and getting your life back. But if you have to have contact, one method only, one mode of doing that contact. So that might look like for me, my best method is email it feels more controllable to me like if i see an email pop up it's not something that i'm like oh i wonder who emailed me it's something that i go in and look for so when it was a text message the feeling i would get every time a text message came like oh my god is it him would drive me crazy it was so upsetting so my suggestion is to block the number from your phone. Now, if you block a number and then delete it, it is unblocked because you no longer have the number in your phone. So if you want someone to not contact you, you need to block the phone number and divert everything to email. Now, it's up to you and you, you're you the only one that knows your circumstances and your situation and you're legally bounded or whatever you're going through. But if you send a text first and say by the way just letting you know i'm blocking your number you can contact me via email you might want to do that for me it was just a case i didn't want to have communication anymore we had lawyers in place so they could be the ones but it took me way too long like i reckon i kept this up for like six months of just continual fucking harassment and it doesn't need to be that way you can control it you've got the control to put an end to it and the way that you can put an end to it is to choose just one method of contacting so for me i recommend email um i just think it's more controllable and then if you've had enough you can always get a new email address and it's a little bit easier than a new phone number stress it is absolutely undeniable that you're going to be in fucking fight or flight mode you are going to be feeling stressed nothing for me and I feel like I've been through a fair bit in my life felt like the stress that it was when I was dealing with the late the first section of leaving my relationship the post-separational stress the financial problems the kid dealing with the kids my mental health because I was fucking going crazy because I was not coping and if you listen to anything of mine, you'll know that my coping mechanism quite often was drinking, partying and all the things. So I was doing all the things and making my life harder and my stress factors were getting worse. I was relocating the, my business at the time. My kids weren't coping. They were scared. They were crying. It was fucking horrible. So when it comes to stress, there's often multiple ways that people say to deal with it and for me I, I did go on the antidepressants I had the demazepam or um, Valium I was drinking I was doing everything that I thought was going to reduce the stress drinking definitely not I don't know why I thought that but anyway I fucking did and I didn't come out of it until I realized that I could control it so what I mean by that is what did I need to reduce my stress 
So something that I suggest doing is dropping into your body, so placing your hand on your heart, taking a big breath and just saying, what do I need to do right now to reduce the stress? And usually your body will lead you in some way. You'll get this little feeling and it might be something simple like going to the beach for a swim or going and going to bed or having a bath and that will reduce the stress in that moment. I don't believe there's anything that can get rid of the stress as a whole except for it being over and if you're just leaving, you're in for a bit of a ride. So I don't know if you know, which I'll talk about this later in the court episode, but family court can take anywhere from 18 months to three to four years. So if you are down, looking down the barrel of having to go there, you're in for a road, you know, you're in for a journey, you're in for a fight and nothing can reduce the stress levels of that except living it, breathing it, moving closer and closer and closer to the end goal. So you need to just now figure out a way to calm, relax, and find a way to cope with the stress that you're feeling right now in this moment. Take that breath with me. Okay, visitations. So if you have children, no doubt in the early days, unless it was completely violence and they're in jail or something along those lines, there will be something of some level of visitations that you will probably have to do. Um, my suggestion is talk to the police, talk to your lawyers, talk to anyone that can support you in this, the mediation people, and find a visitation plan that is healthy for you and the children. The children are priority always in these things. And even though at the time a lot of it's happening to you, it's managing them. And some of the stuff that happened in my to my kids, I believe, was unfair and it put them in a state of fight or flight and they really weren't coping. So I highly suggest that you stick to a visitation plan. Like they can't ring up and say, hey, I want the kids now, which is what mine did at the start, and then I would drop them off. And then 10 minutes later he's like, this is all too fucking much, come and get them. And it wasn't fair on them because they were like, when he asked for them, they're like, we don't want to go. And then I'd have to come pick them up. And, you know, the very last time I did that, they came running out of the house and they were all screaming and crying and they were like, fuck, we don't ever want to go back here. And I just went, that's it. I've got the responsibility to stop this. But what I do wish was that I had the strength to stop it before. I should have been like, no, that doesn't work for us. No, we're not coming over. And it wasn't until that very last moment that I put my foot down and he was meant to see the kids at that one whatever day it was. And I went, no, I'm not bringing them. It's not happening. So, yeah, really settle in. Find a visitation plan that works for you and your kids and your family and that keeps them safe and that keeps them trucking along because this shit's hard on them too, right? Like it's so hard on us and I know at times it can be like, so fucking overwhelming and you're navigating everything and then on top of that you've got these kids in tow but you can do it and you can take your power back and you can be in control to some degree in things by standing down and putting your foot down and I wish that I realized that earlier on because it took me years to actually go no that doesn't work for me and then I found that when I said that and I advocated for what my kids needs were <clears throat> we got results faster 
So visitations, what works for you and your children. So leaving, whether it's your first time, your second, your third, your fourth, your fifth, your sixth, right up to your seventh, will never be easy. You might be thinking thoughts like, how am I financially going to survive without this person? What if they try and kill me? What am I doing the right thing by my kids? I don't know. Like whatever you're thinking, it is going to escalate in that leaving phase and their behavior is going to become worse and the way that I like to describe it is if you imagine that you get a bug find a bug outside or whatever and you put it in a jar and you screw the lid on the oxygen's becoming thin in there and they're scrambling trying to get oxygen that is exactly the process that you're going to have you are going to be the lid of the jar that the bug is trying to get out to get out. So they're going to try and rein this control back in because that's what they know to do and they're going to be coming for you in that sense. So whether it's emails, texts, letters, showing up, yelling at you, going to your work, whatever it is, sending people into your work, fucking hell, I had that too, whatever to try and get at you and you are going to have to be probably the strongest you've ever been in your life to get through it, but you can fucking do that. You can do this, whether it's from leaning onto the resources that I share or engaging with other people that have been through it too. I want you to know that you have fucking got this and that's the first step. The first step is believing that you've got this and that you can leave and that you are worthy of a better life and that there is something better out there. That's the first step to you actually achieving it and you actually getting there. And even if you get there and you only have a week or two and then you come back and you do it all over again, so what? So fucking what? Don't beat yourself up about it. You know, what if the next time is the last time that you leave? You don't know that. So each time you get a bit stronger and there's people like me who actually want to support you in this. Like go check out my 12-stage program, go through it, email me, message me. I've got like access to the program on an app of mine. So if you message me, I can see it because I want you to live your best fucking life yet and I know that you can do it and I know that there's so much that the world can offer. You just have to believe that you can take this first step and get out. It feels so good to be on the other end of this. And in all honesty, like, you know, on my Instagram page, I felt like I was just sharing the negative stuff that was going on on a day-to-day basis. And I've started recently on my story sharing the good things in my life because four years later, life's pretty fucking good. I've got a really cool little house, big house that the kids and I live in. The kids are happy. They're healthy. They're finding their way. And you know what? They just love being around me and being with me because they know that everything I've done, I've done for them. So so if no one has told you today, I want you to know that you were so brave, you were so strong and you were so loved in my space. And regardless of how you feel, you fucking got this, okay? You've got this and I've got you. I love you.
Okay, team, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, it is so appreciated that you take the time in your day to listen to my podcast. This is going to be the start of a 12-part series where I'll be sharing what the 12-stage program actually looks like and some of the little snippets out of it. Um, Please feel free to go check it out, though. Like I said, it's free. My mission is solely to help. Um, Links are linked into the caption on this podcast, so in the show notes. Um, But I just want to say to you that you are so brave, you're so strong, and you're so loved no matter where you are on your journey, and I'm so supportive of you, and I want to send you a big squeezy hug through my phone so please check me out on socials like them share them to friends do whatever you can let's bring a stop to people living in domestic violence and abusive relationships because the world is so much beautiful when you get out so take a deep breath and say it with me i am brave i'm strong and i'm so loved in my space please reach out to me at lauren at findmywild.com.au if you'd like to share any podcast topics. Have the best day.